Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I am your host, Liz Fiddler, here at Sunny Mary Meadow Farm. I don't know why I just said that. (laughs) Obviously, you know I work at Sunny Mary Meadow Farm. I am going to talk about today flower support, meaning keeping them from toppling over. Where I live in central Minnesota, it's it's not windy. People think it's windy here, and trust me, it is not windy. I grew up in southwest Minnesota along the Buffalo Ridge. And whenever you see like the National Weather Service talking about, you know, just this tiny little strip right in here is like the eye of the blizzard all of the time. That's where I grew up. It's always so windy. I don't know. I heard one time it's like the center of the mountain ranges and the hills and I don't know. But there's a reason they put all of the wind towers down there in southwest Minnesota and it is windy. When they get two inches of snow, there's a ground blizzard you cannot see. It's white out. When I first moved up here to central Minnesota and school was canceled, I'm like, well, what do you mean school is late? You can see for like three miles straight and because literally visibility would be like three feet, not even. So it's just a very different, you know, than what I grew up with as far as wind, but it's awesome because it sucked. <laughs> like, spending 20 minutes curling my hair in high school and stepping outside and it's just a wind wind tunnel so it's it's not as windy here but if you remember last year in may we got straight line winds going like 90 miles an hour and wrecked a ton of buildings and we do get wind just not not like we do in southwest minnesota so that being said trying to figure out how to support your plants and the reason you do this there's multiple reasons but you want to have longer and straighter stems that are more usable in bouquets if they're growing sideways along the ground then you're going to have this l-shape snapdragon or whatever it might be zinnia and you just can't use it so you want longer straighter stems and you also want to Just get some airflow below the plants because then it just avoids diseases, uh, moisture when it's on the ground. Your leaves are always wet. We talked about this in the peony episode and, you know, sometimes you just want to stake them so that they look nicer. So sometimes staking is done in your landscaping flowers in addition to, you know, as cut flower farming. But we're going to talk about five different ways of staking your flowers. The main ones that I will stake are dahlias, stock, snapdragons, cosmos, and delphinium. Delphinium is new to me this year, but I ordered a big tray of plugs of it. And then um, I have some that I started from seeds, but those are in, those are perennials. But yeah, they, they need staking, otherwise they'll topple over. I don't grow lupine, but they will need staking as well. Some people will do amaranth, but I find that it does fine on its own and sticks up straight fine. Definitely don't need to stake sunflowers and some people will corral them if they live in a really windy area but I don't have that problem. I've never had problems with my sunflowers coming over or toppling over so I don't bother with those but honestly it kind of depends too how moist the ground is for the sunflowers if they'll tip over if there's a ton of rain but basically a lot of flowers that branch off you're going to want support netting. And the other thing to keep in mind is you want to put up the support before it's necessary. So 
When they're like six to eight inches tall, that's when you want to start adding your support netting. You don't want to wait until they're two feet tall and starting to topple over. It can be much more difficult to get the netting or whatever method that you're using at that time. It's hard to get them to bend straight after they've been growing curvy. Plus, you can just break off stems or uproot them. So it's it's really important to do it when they're under a foot tall, but I say even six to eight inches tall. So the first way that I'm going to talk about is just using a netting. And this is what I do. So I will put the link in both my episode notes. If you go to my website, sunnymarymeadow.com slash podcast, every single one of these flower farming episodes, so the regular episodes, not the bonus episodes, are transcribed into a written blog post. And you can find links to anything that I talk about and, you know, just look stuff up and it's got information if I have guests on there. So sunnymarymeadow.com slash podcast. So the netting that I use, I actually just buy it off of Amazon because the shipping is free and it's about the same price, but you can buy it from like Gardener's Workshop. You can buy it from Johnny Seeds. There's a lot of different places you can buy it from. You can do it in either a mesh netting or a plastic netting. I use the plastic one and I use it year after year. It just works really well for me and it comes in like six inch square spacing. And so what's really nice about that is you can lay it on the ground and I will do this this year for my Lysianthus. I will lay out the fabric and I will put the netting on top of it and then I will actually burn the holes in the netting so that I know exactly you know it's that six inch spacing and much closer than you know a lot of things that I do nine inch spacing and so I will use the netting as a grid to make sure that it's you know one per square or whatever that ends up being so the mesh or the squares it works really well with plants with a lot of branches such as snapdragons and zinnias I know some people use it for cosmos I'm going to give you a different example for cosmos that I'm going to use. But so Lysianthus, Snapdragons, Zinnias, and Delphinium is what I use this square plastic netting for. And like I said, there's photos of it on my blog post, but imagine it's like four feet wide and then there's a little plastic square every six inches. At the end of your rows, you want to put some metal T-posts. It's about four feet wide. And so you put those on the two ends and then unroll your netting for the whole distance. And then you're going to pull it tight at each end and then, you know, put it, put it up there so that it's barely hovering above the plants. So it's maybe a foot off the ground when the plants are eight inches tall. And then you're going to go along the sides and pull it tight. It's best if you can have two people do this so that it's even and you pull it tight as you're going so that, like I said, it's just suspended over the plants and then the plants will actually grow through them. It grows up through the holes. And then, like I said, you do this when they're about eight inches tall. So you have like 12 inches of netting. Sometimes, like Lysianthus, for example, I am going to plant some inside of my high tunnel and some outside. So that's one I forgot too. I also will net Lysianthus, but that flower is new to me this year too, so I forgot about it. And I have like 2,000 plugs, so let's not forget about that one. That's a big one. But when I plant outside, and I'm going to probably put about 500 of them outside... And that will have two layers of netting when it's outside. So you do a layer, I'll put two layers on there at once. One that I will plant it in and then the second one will be hovering above it because they're such a premium crop and they're so great for like my brides that buy buckets of flowers and I just really want those stems to be nice and straight. They can get such a heavy canopy on top that one big win if part of them start falling, the whole thing can fall. So two layers of netting outside and one layer of netting inside of the tunnel. I could maybe get by without netting them inside of the tunnel, but then I would be scared to have the sides up very often, and then it gets so hot in there. It's just just hard to know. So the netting is probably the most common one that you see for flower farmers use. 
The next one is staking. And this is going to be mainly your basic gardener, hobby gardener, if you have a few flowers in your vegetable garden, if you have some flowers around your house that need staking. And essentially you just take wood or metal or bamboo or a tea post or whatever it may be. I used some wood stakes that I bought just at Fleet Farm, I think, Fleet Farm, Menards, Home Depot, wherever. And you pound it into the ground next to the stem. So like a dahlia, for example, that has a like big base or like a main like trunk stem, I guess. And then you use twine string just to tie it up individually to that plant. And so literally staking the individual flowers for cut flower farming when you have 500 of one flower, that's not going to be a good option. But, you know, if you've only got 10 dahlias in your garden or whatever it may be, then I think it's a really good option. Or if it's, you know, some sort of plant in your landscaping that you just want it to stand upright, it works perfect for there. The next one is one that I used last year, not super effectively, and I need to do a better job of it, but I'm going to use it for dahlias and cosmos. So cosmos will be new this year for corralling them but it's basically you build a fence or a corral around the perimeter of a bed so like a bed of dahlias a bed of cosmos and you put bigger t-posts on the ends and then like every eight feet or so you put more and then you'll tie twine string around the entire thing and you know just keep the plants on the inside and then they're just kind of fenced in And then you will put another layer about 12 to 18 inches above that. And you could even do three layers if it's a really tall plant. But I'm excited to do my Cosmos this way. The first year, for whatever reason, I had no problems with them toppling over. And then last year, it was a gigantic mess. It was was terrible. I don't even know how to describe it. They were just on the ground growing sideways and nothing I could do about it. So that's corralling where there's like the big perimeter around them. For my Cosmos, I will still use landscape fabric even with the corral around them. But for my dahlias, I actually don't put them in landscape fabric. I'll have like a three foot wide patch of dirt and compost. And then every 18 inches or so, I'll plant two next to each other. So they're like a foot and a half apart. And then every 18 inches, I plant two of them down that row. And then I corral the whole thing around it. I have to weed probably two or three times in June. And then after that, the dahlias are blocking the soil and the, the weeds really don't come through because there's they're not getting the sunlight. They're not able to sprout. And it's like just pulling a few weeds here and there. And so it works pretty well to not need to do it that way or not have to use the landscape fabric for the dahlias. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break from this episode to talk about something else. We're going to talk about my course that I'm launching this fall, Peddling Perishable Products. So they are essentially, if you like the episodes where I tell you how to grow the flowers, I really think you're going to like the episodes where I tell you how to sell the flowers. Ultimately, I tried creating some podcast episodes talking about how I do things and it just felt incomplete and I really want to make a difference and I want to make it easier on you and I don't want you to find out how to do things the hard way. If you want more information on how to sell your flowers and turn it into a comprehensive business, click the link within this episode notes and sign up for a Calendly call. I promise it's not intimidating. It's 15 minutes. I'm going to tell you the stats on my sales. I'm going to give you information on the course. And ultimately, if at the end of the phone call, the answer is no or not yet, I promise no hard feelings. I just really, really want to help you turn your cut flower hobby into a successful business if that's what you want to do. 
Um, again, no hard feelings. Just sign up on the Calendly link. Thanks. The next one is trellising. So you will see this a lot in people's landscape. They have like a fancy little ladder or a fancy little, you know, I've got one that's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, it's like a door with an archway on it and it's made out of metal. I don't know. <laughs> Leans up against my house. It's cute. I don't know. But like clematis is one like, cl- so climbing vines, basically vines to climb up a trellis. But sweet peas, sweet pea flowers, and then a lot of vegetables, actually, like pea vegetable peas. That's one way you can do it is you can buy some fancy thing or get some tall posts. And basically, you will put them, you know, maybe six feet apart or however big your cattle panel is. And you can even make like an archway. I've seen it where it's like an archway that you can walk under and then like vegetables will just dangle underneath. Like you can do it with tomatoes. You can do it with, you know, different, different vegetables. Again, I've never done it, but I've, I've seen people do that and they make this really cute archway to their vegetable garden where like you walk under this tunnel of vegetables and I don't know, I, I'm very outdoorsy, obviously, like I've got so much dirt on my fingernails right now, like whatever, but like spiders and oh, like I just, no thanks, no thanks, like I'm good, I'm good, do and yeah, no, I'm good. I don't need to walk under a archway, a rainbow of my food, (laughs) but so that is one option, but yeah, or you can just use like chicken wire. So two posts and then chicken wire and then something that can just climb up top of it. But sweet peas are the one flower that a lot of people do. And I, I would love to plant some just to look pretty in my garden at some point, but I don't know. I bought some in potted plants and they were so tiny. They were like six inch stems like it just did not work for me but I know you can make them a lot longer and they're so pretty and they smell so good so maybe someday I'll work on some sweet peas a little bit more but for now yeah I'm good oh and then it's important to secure the plant with twine like every couple feet or just kind of weave it in and out of the either the chicken wire or the cattle panel or the fancy $600 thing that you bought from Menards or whatever it might be. If you got a cool father-in-law or whatever that's like to, you know, have someone that builds you stuff. I don't know. I wouldn't know about that, but like you can do it that way. Yeah. So I don't have someone that builds me stuff. Although Brent does. I don't know. Brent, Brent, Brent could build it, but yeah. So like you could just, you know, secure it with twine every once in a while and then yeah, have it just like in your landscaping looking cool. And the other one is grow through supports basically where they they just grow through it. So I've posted this about my peonies. Now remember, I don't really have to support my peonies because I cut them before they are blooming. My peonies don't topple over, but if you have them in your landscaping, like they're just going to fall across your sidewalk most of the time with those big double varieties and so they're like a like a round Last time Abby described it as like the cage of a grill and then, you know, but the holes are obviously a lot bigger, but then the plants can grow through them. And then there's like three or four stakes that just kind of support it so that it hovers a little while above the ground or like a tomato cage. I actually have used tomato cages for some of my dahlias before um, in the first few years, just because it was like, oh, well, I have 30 tomato cages because Josh used to plant way more tomatoes for like Bloody Mary mix and salsa. And so it actually works really well. If you if you need to support, if there's certain dahlia varieties that you know always fall down, but some of them are fine, 
and you don't want to, you know, corral them or maybe it was too late. But the problem is, like I said, you need to install most of these things before it's too late. Otherwise, like last year, I had one tomato plant and it was just, it was out of control. I don't even know how to describe it. And Brent went down to the garden and he's like, why is it growing along the ground? I didn't even know they did that. I'm like, yeah, well... I don't know, a little too late. So I tried to like tomato cage it. And then I ended up just using some wooden stakes and kind of caging it upward because otherwise your tomatoes are just going to grow along the ground and then they rot and it's disgusting. So we ended up just staking them upright. So yeah, those are kind of the five little supports that I use here on the flower farm. Abby, you got any questions or thoughts about support and I think I was at 13 minutes for this episode so I hope you got a lot of questions uh well on my end we're at like 17 so oh, okay okay we're, we're doing good okay um when it comes to staking things so I fly by the seat of my pants novice gardener been very clear and open about that last year my mom gave me a patio tomato she's like here plant this and this thing was like six inches when she gave it to me and so I didn't think it was gonna get big because it says patio you think Uh, it's small what do I know about growing tomatoes nothing I can see into my neighbor's kitchen from my house I don't have a yard for gardening and whatnot so she gives me this thing and she's like just make sure you stake it when you plant it and I'm like with what and she's like you gotta have scrap wood around there or something so I just grabbed like a piece of mop board that we had cut off and never put back on is that okay can you be using like treated things like that um i think it's fine not ideal probably probably not ideal because you're eating from it but is the tomato touching it i don't know did it die (laughs) did you die full disclosure (laughs) i never ate anything off of it because the second they would like be ready to be harvested they would rot and then the rabbits found them so okay no i think my gut's saying it's probably fine to use treated lumber to stake something but I'm sure there's going to be someone that's listening that's like, oh my God, there's blah, 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 chemicals. And I, I don't know. I, I truly don't know. Like if it, if it's absorbed in the food, it's, it's probably fine, but probably ideal to not. Be more prepared this year when my mom gives me a tomato. Yeah. So I've, I'll give you a tomato cage. Okay. I've got multiple. <laughs> Perfect. So I will give you a tomato cage. Yeah. So any like flowers that you've used, like clematis or do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. (laughs) I do know that my neighbors need to do something about their peony plant because that thing, the second it starts to bloom, the bloom, the blooms are on the grass. So like they need to do something because the thing looks just so sad. So we've got Google pulled up and I'm just showing her what a clematis looks like. Yeah, they're super pretty. Um, I'm planning on getting some, I don't know, maybe on the south side of my house to like climb up. I don't know. My landscaping guy was supposed to get a hold of me today and so those vine and climb and yeah okay mm-hmm. and they cool. they actually really can take off okay like josh's aunt judy has one that she's got it's like to the top of her other trellis and then it actually like she just kind of arches it over to a different one and like it cascades down like it's so long it's wow. just yeah like once they get older and you can cut them back or else they can just kind of take off where they left off and no they're fun they're very pretty I wonder, okay, so when I was growing up, I lived on eight acres of land and my mom had a really great garden. I did not get her green thumb, unfortunately, but we had this little mini shed that was kind of in the shape of an outhouse that held all of our garden tools. And we had something very similar growing over the top of that. So I wonder if it was a yeah, clematis. I bet it was. I bet it was. They they do really well in Minnesota. And I had one that actually Josh's, Judy actually gifted us for our wedding. And then we... So I had Davy. Davy was born in 
August and then we ended up getting like a soon frost and I just I literally didn't think about it like oh my gosh we are tearing down the house the beginning of April so all of my plants that were around the house I never thought of it to dig them up that fall and then all of a sudden April comes and it's like I had all these irises there were some peony plants not too many but a couple yeah so that sucked because then the excavator came and the ground was like still frozen and yeah. There was no saving There anything. was no saving anything. <laughs> and so that really sucked that I lost those. But they're just plants. And I'm going to buy another one that looks just like it because it was white with pink tips or white with pink on the inside. It looked kind of like a stargazer lily. And you know what? That's going to be like my, oh, that's like the one that Judy got us for our wedding. Yep. That's what Judy got us for our wedding. Like if you Fills just, the void. If you manifest it, it's true. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's the one. Is it really the one? Well, no, it's like the one and it's fine. That's just how you got to do sometimes when things have a sentimental value to them. Like plants die. Things die. So then you just buy another one just like it. Like my Christmas cactus, it's doing fine. But eventually when it dies, eventually, which hopefully isn't for like 10 years, I'll just buy another one. I'll be like, yeah, that's Josh's funeral cactus. Yeah. Yeah. It's all you can do. Last thing I have, not a question, more of a statement, and you should definitely go look this up, but if you're into creative trellising and staking, there is a ride at Epcot in Walt Disney World called Ooh. Living with the Land, where Ooh. they put you on a, like a little boat, and then they run you through like all the greenhouses that they use to grow the flowers at Epcot for all their festivals and all their vegetables and all that sort of stuff. And the way that they grow some of their fruits and vegetables via trellis and like overhanging things, like they just got like zucchinis and cucumbers dangling from the ceiling. It's just cool. So if you can hop on YouTube and watch a ride through of that, I think you really enjoy that. I think now Epcot just became a write-off, right? It's research. It's a field trip. (laughs) It's... (laughs) Got to see what they're doing. I got to see trellises. I'm researching about trellises. Just ride living with the land like four times. Mm -hmm. See if you can Mm -hmm. get a receipt from a cast member. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. There we go. There we go. So there's the next family vacation planned. I mean, work trip planned. Yeah. All right. Well, let me know if you have any questions about staking or supporting your plants or if you're out there in your garden and you take a picture and you tag Sunny Mary Meadow, Instagram or Facebook, let me see it. Let me see what you're doing. And let me know if you have questions. I'm here to help. Podcast at SunnyMaryMeadow.com. Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest and Facebook at Sunny Mary Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com. Flowers, flowers, we love flowers. Sunny Mary Meadow, they smell so good. Sunnymarymeadow.com.